From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fans. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Yeah, we're on the phone for the fans of Blue Blue Show, Nickelbacca Avenue Fan Forum. Uh, Post game versus the Sixers, two losses to the Sixers since the All Star break. Uh, some things are just not fair, man. I mean, Philadelphia has got it going on. Uh, they won this with ease uh, when the Knicks only secured a seven point lead at half, even though the lead should have been at least doubled that, maybe 13 to 14 ish. They, they allowed the Sixers. To cut it under 10 real, and then early on in the third, they went on a quick run, a couple of buckets and a three. Uh, it, they kind of toyed with the Knicks. Now, here's the thing. I, I, the Knicks, they just need more pieces, specifically at the point guard. Now, the fact that Miles McBride gets into the game very late into the game, you know, why are we still playing or experimenting with Alec Burks at the point guard? It doesn't work. It's just, this is seriously a textbook tanking at this point. You know, like, why would you not play with a, a traditional one, you know, at the start of these games, man? It just doesn't make sense. You know, versus Miami uh, on Friday and then um, versus Philadelphia on Sunday and then tonight versus Philadelphia again. Uh, this is a tall order in a sense, so not to say that to make any excuses, but we're talking about two of the best teams in the Eastern Conference this season. Uh, a lot of teams have been exponentially better than the Knicks, but I just don't understand uh, Miles McBride getting into the game very, very late in the game. Like, why? Like, what is the point about that? You know, like, what what are we doing here in New York Knicks Kabaka management? Why is he getting in late in the game? And I see, you know, when Deuce hits a long two and he's been pretty much on the pine for 58, 59 minutes, and you're finally putting him into the game? Like, this was just a waste of time. You're wasting Nick fans' time at this point. You got Nick fans making the trip to Philadelphia. Maybe he was on Living Philly. and Or, you no, know, they took the 90-mile commute down 95 to South Philadelphia. But come on, man. Like, you had to do average of 30 and 10 in the G League. You're not going to let this guy get some run when you know your season's kind of damn near over? I mean, uh, it just really doesn't make no sense. And, and and I think this is the part where the Nick management, the coaches, general manager, whoever, some sort of spokesperson, PR personnel needs to come out and say something about the moves y'all doing. Because the thing is, the guys uh, – they have played okay, but then there's certain stretches of the game. They get really loosey-goosey. They get careless, sloppy, and they can't overcome that. And, and this is the textbook type of Nick loss, okay? This is a textbook type of Nick loss. Uh, you know, very good at first half, sloppy third quarter, you lose the game pretty much in the third quarter. You never really get recovered in the fourth quarter. Typical Nick game. Typical Nick game. No matter of fact, this reminds me of those Nick game, uh, Nick teams years ago. We were on this platform on those David Fizdale teams, having an okay first half, and then third quarter he just wet the bed. 
And that's all the lack of not having a quality point guard. And like I said, I thought, I thought the guys played all right tonight. But because you don't have that number one in there, really orchestrating your offense and getting guys in the right position and securing the basketball and getting stops early that you should have done in the third quarter, this is what the Knicks are, man. It's, it's, it's been like that. Look at, look at it. You can talk to myself or Nick Abaka. We said this shit uh, many a times years ago, years ago. Uh, with these sloppy third quarters. This is where the Knicks are losing games. This is the same thing that happened in Miami, same thing that happened on Sunday versus the Philadelphia 76ers, and the same thing happened tonight. And when I know that, when I saw the Knicks go, Knicks go into the uh, halftime with that seven-point lead, I knew it, I knew we, I knew we were going to lose because I knew exactly how this shit was going to play out. I said, hey, we're going to lose the lead early on in the third, and we're going to kind of hang around, be down four, down two, whatever. But... Not enough to overcome superstar play, you know. Harden and Embiid are excellent, excellent additions for that team. They they toyed with the Knicks tonight, and it's not like the Knicks played bad. They just needed a, a very smart one to orchestrate everything. And for whatever reason, management has let the Knicks fan down by not going to a guard. Uh, why not try? Because the Alec Burks is just not working, and it's not Alec Burks' fault. You know, it's not his fault. Alec Burst needs to play the two or three play off the ball. But let's talk about it. I am extremely fucking tired. And we got to let these guys and gals speak uh, after this loss. Um, I mean, it's hard to say because, I, you know, I didn't expect to beat Miami. I didn't expect to beat Philadelphia. But the Knicks, you know, R.J. Blair is playing fucking well, man. And I hate to sound like moral victories, but, you know, the start of this road trip Man, this season is out of it. We're, we're pretty much fucking done, I think. But, uh, you know, I mean, the Derrick Rose setback. We got a lot to talk about. Nickelback Avenue, our source for the streets for the Knicks. We got Shelly with us. Av, say hello real quick. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, say hello real quick. And then uh, we'll bring on Shelly to say hello. But just say hello. We're going to go right back to you. How you doing, man? Um, I'm fucking tired, dude. But let's talk. You know what? I actually woke up just to do this show, so I'm in the same boat. Dude, dude, I was about to go to sleep, man. Be honest with you. <laughs> I really was, man. But, you know, we do this loyally every week, man. So, hold on. Shelly, say hello to uh, Nickelback Avenue and myself. Hope all is well. Uh, how's everything? Everything's good. Yeah. I, I, am I the only one awake? No, it's just you. But if you could get to a quieter, if you could get to a quieter place, you got a lot of background noise, just bananas. So we'll come back to you. Av, go ahead and uh, fire away uh, what you saw. I mean, I think RJ Bears playing fantastic. Uh, I mean, I mean the Miami game. He had the monster first half, finished with forty six. But we're playing the best teams in the East, so. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't know. Did you expect to win them or those games or what? And then. Far away, man. No, I did not. If that's you, please get to a quieter spot. You got a lot of rattling in your background. My apologies. Um, I am still watching my daughter at the same time, and she's oh, she's, okay. she's all over the place. Uh, so, um, yeah. So tonight, we the Knicks um, once again the best team in the NBA that can play two and a half quarters. <laughs> They are the best team at that. If, if, if NBA games were about two and a half quarters long, we would have a pretty good record. We would be talking about victories right now, wouldn't we? Because we would have won in L.A., won against Brooklyn, won against Philly, won against Miami. I mean, the, the numbers go on and on and on. 
and when you think about how how bad this team has been playing, um, you know, citing the lack of leadership, the lack of of um, of any kind of direction, because really, aside from R.J. Barrett's play, and yes, even to, even some level of consistency from Julius Randle when, while he was out, the reality is is that this team is not playing like a team. It's absolutely not playing like a team under any stretch of the imagination, simply because I don't know what it is, you know, with the disconnect with the players and Tibbs. I don't know what the disconnect between them and, Ken, and, the, and the rest of the coaching staff, Kenny Payne, whoever. I don't understand that concept at all. Um, it was bad enough that we already had chemistry issues to begin with, but we had to have chemistry issues on both sides of, 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 of you know, you know the, the white line. You know, we have to have the disconnect on the bench and on the court. I mean, this is kind of – not, I mean, we can we can go over management all we want. We we have extensively over the last few months. Hell, and see between you and I over the last decade or so that we've been doing we've been doing this forum. I I don't understand the you know what exactly is the disconnect anymore. Is it something that? You know that that the team is just not responding to Tibbs anymore. You know, does he have to go? You know, I'm not about firing somebody just for the sake of firing somebody. But uh, you know, at this point, I mean, it, it, and it really, what would firing him do for the team now? You know, try to fight for a plan. We have the right now. The New York Knicks are in the worst possible position that they can that they could ever pick themselves in because. They're completely out of the playoff race. They're, they're you know they're mounting losses at a at an incredible rate. The month of February was abysmal, horrible. It, Black History Month was not kind to the New York Knicks or the Knicks fans. And now that we enter March, and it seems like a continuation of what we already been experiencing since before the All Star break, the Knicks look like a lottery team. And that's kind of sad because after what after the you know now you have to kind of say last year was a fluke. You know, all things considered, last year had to be lightning in a bottle. It had to be a fluke situation. Lightning does not strike twice in the same place. Obviously, Madison Square Garden has not struck lightning again since. <laughs> the, just just the boneheaded communication miscues on offense and defense. You got, like you said, it's not Alec versus fault that he's playing a position that Tibbs prefers him at, but it's not his natural position. He's not a point guard. He can run the ball, you know, on certain plays, but you can't expect him to do that for 25 to 30 minutes a night when that's not his game. That's never been his game. He's, he's exactly what you said, Steve. He's a two or three at best. He's a guy that plays off the ball. He's a spot-up shooter. He's not a guy that you can really rely on to run an offense consistently on a night-in, night-out basis, especially now with, the, with this, this chemistry issue that I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of huge chemistry issues, mainly with Julius Randle. There was at least two or three different plays where he's on defense and they play the switch and leave this wide open 
he he shoots, you, you, you know, he goes up for a layup or reverse or whatever the case may be, and he's looking at his teammates like, whose man was that? And I'm looking at it, it was your motherfucker, he was your man. You were playing the switch. You had, you know that, that, that you guarding him is a mismatch, but you at least get, can put a body on him, make him uncomfortable when he receives the ball. That happened three times in one period over like a six or seven minute period. And I'm like, this cannot be what a professional basketball team on any continent plays like. Now, I know that we're, you know, you're blowing these things out of proportion. At least I am. I'm a Nick fan for 30-something years. I've gone through bad times, some good times, some okay times, some abysmal times, and then spot little, little, little pockets of joy and, and exuberance, and then all of a sudden, we're right back. It's almost like the basketball gods and all of reality kicks you right back in the face, puts you back down in the dirt where, we were, where we've been, been for the, the better part of two decades, and lets us know this team is not worth the love, the compassion, the loyalty, the patronage, your money, none of that. They are not worth the two, three hours in, uh, uh, per game, sometimes even more. That, and then, of course, the additional hour a week that you and I and, and, of course, all our stakeholders give to this team. Now, of course, we're going to still do it because it's therapeutic in a lot of, a lot of senses. But for the love of God, what in the hell is going on with this team? Two and a half quarters. They're playing right. They're two and a half quarters. They can play. And then, I mean, given, I wasn't expecting a victory. When you're playing the Philadelphia 76ers, now with James Harden making his home debut in Philadelphia, they're actually contending for spots in the Eastern Conference playoffs. The Knicks, not so much. So you're not expecting a victory, but you're at least expecting a little bit more effort, a little bit of team cohesion this late into the season. We put the blame on so many different players. You put the blame on Kemba. You put the blame on Evan. You put the blame on, on, on Randall. We put the blame on, you know, Rose going down. We put the blame on freaking on RJ going down. You can, you know, how many more excuses can the Knicks come up with? Now, I get it. In every, in, in every organization, in every sport, in every team, injuries do happen, and they can affect the outcome of games and in terms of season. But for whatever reason, no matter who is on the court, whoever dresses and not dresses and sits is pretty much meaningless. It, it, it's irrelevant. Whoever freaking puts on a New York Knicks uniform and actually plays a minute in the game, you are held responsible. And, of course, Coach Tom Thibodeau is also responsible. And we fans, we share a little bit of responsibility, not all of it, but we do reserve some, because myself included, myself probably even more so. I, take, I like to take on more responsibility, you know, accountability for my actions. 
because I'm the same idiot that said earlier this season that this team would make the Eastern Conference Finals. Now I'm just thinking to myself, what in the blue hell was I thinking with this organization, with this roster, the way it's comprised? Dude, let's call a spade a spade. When, When you look at this team as constructed, knowing what we know about Kemba Walker's past, about Evan Fournier's abilities, and the situation, and then the attitude changes of both Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle. Something has to, something's going on, and I don't know, I don't know who to point the finger at now. So the only default thing for me to do is put the finger on myself because it's like, well, then why am I wasting my time? The sport of basketball is so vast with so many different teams with players that actually want to play and actually want to play together in hopes to compete for whatever, division title, just a win, respectability, something. The New York Knicks are just not none of those teams. Their performance, you know, is a prime example of that. And you know what? I started – I actually went shopping over the weekend, and I and I actually went to the dairy section, looked at the milk cartons, and I start and I could have sworn I saw a picture of Leon Rose on the missing on the missing on milk carton because where is he to answer for this? Because he built this team, he com- he composed this team under Coach Thibodeau. We ain't got all night. Come on, let's go, let's go. My bad. So, Let, so uh, let's go on. Yeah, yeah, Shelly, um, what's your thoughts? And then we go back to Av because I know he has a lot on his mind, but I got to get Shelly in here, and then I'm going to chime in. Shelly, what's your thoughts on the last three games? The two games two, uh, I feel like I've been watching the same game over and over and over. We're watching the same – it's replays of the same game. That's what I feel like. You know, they come out in the first half, and they come out hard, they come out strong, they come out like they're going to play. And I would like to be in the locker room at halftime because I don't know what – kind of speech Coach Tibbs gives them, but they come out the second half and they get spanked. I don't understand it. The first half of these games, they look like, the, you know, they look like they're going to do something. In the second half, you know, they go from being up 16 to down 20. It, it doesn't make sense. I, I really want to know what he says at halftime or who's talking, because whoever's talking needs to shut the hell up, because it ain't working. And, and I don't know what else, but I do know it's like it's a better R.J. Barrett get the more they lose it. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense. You know, you got a team, and and I agree with it. If we ended the game like midway through the third quarter, we would win. We'd have all these wins. <laughs> it's like you can see it going downhill. Like they start the second half, and you can just see the – Leads chipping away, the momentum's going away. Everything is going wrong. Everything that went right in the first half goes wrong in the second half. But I will say one thing: that kid, um, what is his Jericho Sims? When he yeah. came out against MB, I, I liked him. He ain't had no fear. He went up against him. He looked big and strong. Now he got to watch some fouls and stuff. But I like that kid. So I mean, to me, he's a little bright spot and. And I'm telling you, I think that Harden trade 
made Maxie a superstar because since Hardy got there, he's been playing his ass off. Why can't we get something like that going here? I, I don't know. I just feel like I wish I could somebody have a camera or something in that halftime because whoever's talking and whatever they're saying, they need to shut up and pass the mic to somebody else because they come out the second half, they're totally different team. And I can't believe that every team we play against makes all these adjustments against us at halftime that they come out and spank us. I, I, they can't all be doing that, but it, but that's what it seems like. We, we've been watching the same game. Oh, we watched it against the Lakers. We watched it against the Nets. The mm. same game against the first time they played the Sixers. It's a replay. It's the same thing over and over and over again. I, I'm at the point, I, I don't even know why we watch it. Or watch the first half and then, you know, come back and look at the score after because you know they're going to lose. That's how it feels. I'm not going to keep rambling, but that's where I'm at right now. I think we're in agreement, Shelly and Nickabaka Ave. I'm going to go back to Ave because that's the biggest question I want to see in game coming out of halftime, Ave. What, what the hell are we doing? What the hell is the coach saying? Like, why do we come out so flat at the halftime on most of these games? Well, I mean, first of all, our schedule doesn't it, – it, it, it's, it's no cakewalk. The, the, the month of March and, and the few games that we had – the five games that we play in April, they're, you know, they're against teams that are actually competing for playoff positioning. So that's one thing in, that, that goes against the Knicks. But the fact of the matter is, is that because these teams are much better teams – they know that when the Knicks hit you hard in the first half, you have to make adjustments. What seems to not happen on the other side of the coin, which in the Knicks locker room, is that they don't make no adjustments. And the crazy thing is, is that even as a good of a first half that the Knicks are having, there are still mistakes being made. Yeah, maybe, you know, you know X superstar is not shooting, is not having a great start. You know that in this league, it's not so much on how you start, it's how you finish. And Philadelphia, James Harden, Joel Embiid, and now Maxi. you know, I, I don't know if you consider him like what we used to call hashtag Nick Vinflate, because he's a pretty good player. But obviously, he's benefiting tremendously from that Harden trade, because now he has another option another scoring threat on that floor that opens up the lanes for him perfectly. He's seeing a whole lot more open looks, and he's doing that stuff. So when you notice things like these things, I'm noticing them in the, while I'm watching the game. For Coach Thibodeau and for the players themselves, you have to be seeing the same thing. Unless, you're, unless for some reason you're, you know, you're pulling up your phone in the, on the bench and you're playing Candy Crush or something. I don't know what the hell's going on. But the reality is, is that the Knicks are just not making any kind of second-half adjustments, and it shows. And then when, when it shows that bad against a good-caliber team like the Philadelphia 76ers, like the Brooklyn Nets, like a veteran team like the Lakers, and so on and so forth. I mean, I think we play Phoenix next. When we're playing the good teams, the elite teams of this league, they're going to hammer the crap out of us. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule. I'm trying to figure out where can we squeeze a win over the next 15, 20 games. I'm, I, 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 I don't know. Steve, the Clipper game. I'm sorry? The Clipper game. 
That's our next win is the Clipper game. We could beat them. That's I don't Sunday. know. I, I, you know what? I mean, Honestly, a... I, don't, I don't, I don't even know if, if I can sit there in agreement with you. Like I have to, like really think about it. It's like, all right, let's, put, it, let's put a dollar. I don't look at the... Let's put a dollar. Let's put a dollar on the Sunday game then. You know what? I'll make it interesting. Let's make it. Let's make it five dollars and the first round. The next all time right. you and I go ha- hang out. All right, cool. But here's the thing, though. Like, I, I can't get, like, like you said, Ab, I didn't expect to win. But I mean, it's, it's one of those weird situations that uh, we played the best teams in the East for a re- you know what I'm saying? Miami, Philadelphia twice, and they added a superstar point guard or you know a guard in Harden like you said like am I really that mad I mean the Knicks actually is they if they I mean it's, it's, it's a little too late now when I say they need to do this because you know it doesn't matter at this point but I mean they are they are competing I mean I see them trying like you said you said it as far as Randall's played better in February RJ Barrett has been on a scoring tear since you know last several games especially after the all-star break um and, and and I think this is the key in on all, in what you're saying is and this is what I we we've all been saying we go back to Shelly is that Harden opens it up for everybody on that team everybody just like how Ben Simmons did but probably even more because he's looking to score too and he'll get you nine to ten assists a game and Maxie's going to benefit and that's where quickly and Maxie are to me are the same player they both played at the same you know, at the same time in the backcourt in Kentucky, they're the same player. He hasn't been the same since Derrick Rose has been there. That's what I'm saying. Derrick Rose opens up a lot of shit for quickly. And he knows how to control the floor. Right, well, that's my point. When you have a point guard that can get you into spots and, and, and it opens up your offense for everything, the, the degree of scoring on offense is a lot easier. It seems like the Knicks have a lot of possessions. It's, it's a lot of struggle, a lot of one-on-one. They just don't have the point guard, and and, and you're really hurting yourselves even more by going to Alec Burton's playing him at point guard. You could just easily put, put have him off the bench. I don't understand that one. Yeah, I, I, I honestly don't understand the, the whole purpose of sitting Kemba now for what? The report said so that he'd be ready for next season. But last I checked, I don't see the Knicks picking up his option next season or re-signing him. And if the Knicks do, they would be tremendously mistaken and foolish to do so. Next, you know, this offseason, the, the only things that the Knicks should be looking at are guards, point guards. And with, you know, with our own pick, maybe we can start, you know, coupling some of the other picks, maybe the Dallas pick in a couple of years. You know, maybe we can, you know, move up in the draft and try to, you know, score, a, you know, one of the bigger, the, the higher ranking um, point guards in this draft and probably score something. But for Christ's sake, no point guard. No leadership, no direction. They're not even running plays anymore. It's like five individuals running different plays at the same time. You can't, you can't run a play if you don't have a point guard, dude. It just doesn't work like that. You know that. Like they don't have. Obviously. Well, well, obviously they have one. They well, actually they have one. They choose not to use him in McBride. I think he could play. I just don't understand. I think he could play too. I'm. 
he's not he's not going to light up the scoreboard, but he can at least get you some assists, get you get you get the ball, you know, across he, half he, court, he, and he, at least set up he, a play. He's a young he's he's a young version of Alfred Payton. Why not use him? Well, the thing is, is that he's actually better than Alfred Payton because I think that he, he, you know, he, he, obviously he's younger, he's faster. Uh, I I feel like he's a little bit stronger than Payton. Peyton's a little taller. What you know, he has the longer no, no. arms, so that helps him. I, I'm saying, I'm, but, I'm saying, Alfred Payton when he was a rookie. I'm talking about when Alfred Payton was a rookie, not the Alfred Payton version when he was on the Knicks. I'm talking about young Alfred Payton on the Magic. Is what I'm talking about. That's who I'm talking about too. I'm, I, I, I don't. I, I sometimes want to like almost like forget that Payton was a Nick because that was probably like you know like a fifty-fifty. Like he had some high points and a lot of low points. And that playoff series in Atlanta, well, I guess Atlanta last year, really diminished him. Um, the, the way Thibodeau kind of handled that situation. But rookie Alfred Payton versus rookie McBride. It's close. It's close. You're right. They are. They are essentially the same player. Obviously, I McBride has some advantages because he, he's a better shooter. He's definitely a better shooter. He's he, he's definitely a, a, a much better scoring threat. He can actually drive the lane and not turn the ball over that quickly. I mean, yeah, he he, he does kind of you know uh, run into traffic a lot, but hey, that's when you get in your fouls. And if you constantly do that, look, that's the reason why RJ gets to the line. That's why Julius gets to the line. They they run the lane now. Julius is expecting to have the LeBron James treatment and getting called for every foul that he gets. But I'm sorry, brother, you're not on that level and. Let's be realistic. Your your contract is a little overinflated. Who who are we talking about? Who's, whose contract is overinflated? You talking about Randall? Who Julius talking? Randall. Randall. Uh. Uh. Man, that's a he got paid for last year. His contract. He got paid for last year. We the Knicks but paid one hundred and seventeen million dollars for last not, year. But it's not his fault that management built the team around him the way they did. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure, I'm looking at how he's producing right now as of late, and he's putting all his energy. I mean, he's playing. He's he's giving a lot of effort, and all that one-on-one stuff is all because of not having the point guard or or the right pieces around him after you know uh, all season last season. Uh, Shelly, let's go back to you real quick. Hold on. Ab, before we go back to you, let's, uh, let me go to Shelly real quick. Shelly, Ab, one thing I want to throw yeah. in, and then we can go to Ab with that. You know what really pissed me off in tonight's game? You know, you know what really yeah. pissed me off tonight's game? OB Toppin is really getting – I mean, he's all, he's been exposed all year. Uh, even though he's played better, that shit with Derrick Rose not being there has really exposed it. There, there was a couple of times, Ab and Shelly, where I saw – James Harden defending Obi Toppin on the block, and this motherfucker did not call for the ball. He ran, he ran from the block and went into the corner. I, I was about to throw the remote when I saw that shit. Well, that's because Rose is not there to set him up. That's what I'm saying. He's getting exposed. Because of, because of the, this whole road shit has fucked up everything for the season. The reason why you had him in the Eastern Conference Finals, Av, is because you factored in Rose. And then, he goes down, the whole fucking ship goes down. That's how it happened. They they gambled and they and they crapped out. They put it. They went all in at the, at the table like like gambling, and they crapped out, man. 
because of that road situation. They did. And that's the Knicks in the industry. I mean, we're, we're saying that the Knicks, like, how do you go from playoffs to now? Ab, we've been riding this thing for a whole the whole time. Derrick Rose is the reason why we got into the playoffs. The next season turned around because he came after that Dennis uh, Dennis Smith Jr. trade. <laughs> That's what we went on a roll. Ever since then. That's absolutely true. Absolutely true. Team, we're below five hundred team without him. We're twelve games out of five hundred. That's that's where we're at. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm talking about even last year before Rose came from Detroit. We were up 500, a couple games under 500. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. But, but it's funny to me, this shit, this shit, this is what I'm saying. Like, Nick fans got so gung-ho, Shelly, about the slam dunk competition. I mean, come on, man. We could use a guy who's going to block it and, and get you, like, 14, 15. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, real productive points on the block with some real scoring skills. What's your thoughts on that? Did you see some of that from what I saw? He ran to the corner and he had Harden on him. I was fucking irate, man. I think Harden scared him. He, he turned around see Harden and didn't know what to do. Took his heart or something. I don't know. He, he didn't want to go against him. That's what it looked like. He did not want to go against him. Why? I don't know. You know, he should have took some of them slam dunks he tried in that contest and did down there. But he uh, chose to go into the corner and take three. He just looked like he was playing out of his league or out of his comfort zone. I guess he turned around and seen that beard, and it scared the crap out of him. <laughs> got me on that. But I did see it. I did see him. And I'm like, why? Like, you right there. Why? He didn't want the ball. That's what it looked like. He didn't want right. it. Not in that spot. Right. He didn't want it. He wanted to go in the corner and shoot a three, all nice and by himself. But, you know, and, and I agree with you, everything you said about Alec Burke. You know, he's playing out of his comfort zone, but he seemed like he's doing the best he could, given what he was given, but he's, he's not comfortable playing that position, and it shows. You know, and I don't know why they keep putting him there because Thibodeau yeah. likes him there that's why that's the that's the honest <laughs> answer he likes him there but he's you know he's he's not playing his natural position he's out of his comfort zone and you've got McBride sitting there try him out he can't do no worse you know right. everything like he's right he can't like he's more that's his natural position Put him there. Give Burks back. Put him back to where, you know, let him shoot. Let, he's a spot-up shooter. Let him shoot. He can't run the right. offense. He, he's shown that. So I don't know why you keep forcing him. It's like you're trying to force a, a, a square into a round peg. It's not going to work. I think they're tanking, man. Like, this is this is tank job shit. You are absolutely correct. Yeah, really? He's a spot-up shooter. He, I mean, he, there's times he can bring up the ball. And, you know, he's qualified to do that, but not all game long. His strength but not the whole is game. to right. correct, correct, correct. His strength is spot up shooting. His strength is coming off the dribble, off the wing, and you know, and, and making uh, runners and shit like that as well. He can, he's capable of that. It's like this is what I'm saying. I have, like dimensions of other people's game is diminishing because of the coach. And I'm not saying fire him, but there has to be an investigation. Ab, we got to get the. The feds up. We got to get the feds to look into this shit because we know this as basketball fans. Have. You don't run uh, today's NBA. You don't run with a three. 
for 70% of the season unless you're purposely trying to tank. I, I don't know if that's the case because we already know that tanking doesn't work. We've done it twice in the last, what, five, six years, and we've ended up with the third and fourth picks. <laughs> um, we never end up number one. And the, the reality is that if the Knicks are – Knicks management is thinking about tanking, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at the draft board and I'm like, and who are you shooting for? Who are we shooting the moon for now? Or, are you, or, is, or is the goal here is to wait out the situation in New Orleans with Zion or hope for Carl Anthony Towns to kind of drop on your lap or something? Because the because the reality is is that the Knicks that, you know, now they're starting exactly. to play the they're playing the young guys and they're trying to develop them. But see, there's not enough time in the season to really develop them to make them more attractive in, in, in any kind of trade talks. The only tradable piece that and, tr- and trade worthy piece that any team would be interested in is is for R.J. Barrett. That's it. Contracts controllable. It's manageable. He can, and he can do all these great things on the on, on the floor, and he can only develop somewhere else. But in, right in front of your eyes, he, he's being positioned now as the only shining hope alongside Julius Randle. And I'm sorry, it doesn't look like Randle even wants to be here anymore. You know, now you know with you know with, with his you know his negativity towards fans and the media, and it's like, dude, what did you think you were going to come into when you when you signed the contract to play in New York? What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> yes, the fans will turn on you. They will love you, and they will turn on you if you're not performing up to up to the standards that you set forth from last year. Now, I still don't know, and I keep on asking the question. What is the disconnect between management, the coaching staff, and these players? Because all three are seem to be running on three separate programs. Tibbs unable to play his young players until until there is no point anymore. Players, you know, not coming back ready to play for the second half, and not making any kind of in-game adjustments throughout the game, especially especially against teams that have superstars. In this case, they have two. In other cases, you may have you, – you're going to be faced with two, three, one, three. I mean, you're going to have teams built around a superstar that, are, that, that know what the game plan is. The Knicks are operating on, again, as a full organization under three different game plans, and no one's actually telling us what that game plan is other than Tibbs is trying to not, like, leak out too much inside info. We need an investigation. There's no way other way around that. We need an investigation, man. Because they need to come out and – I don't know if they're going to be honest, but the, 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 this is not right, man. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Thibodeau doesn't come across the guy to take really BS orders. I think he likes Burks, and I think this is all Thibodeau's call. But if that is, I'm not saying he should be fired, but I do think we he needs to be questioned for sure. Uh, Shelly, uh, let's get some final thoughts from you. Um, we, you know, we got those. We on this trip. I, mean, I can't say West Coast trip. We're, we started the road trip, lost in Philadelphia. I, I, I mean, hey, man, these are quality teams. 
we're losing to we played well though. I thought we played well. We just don't have the one and and that's gonna get exposed versus the elite teams. But I think we could get some wins on this trip. Uh so, what are uh, your you thoughts think on, we could beat the Clippers? You you wanna put five dollars? Is that who you just I don't I, look the way we've been playing, I don't even see us winning another game for the rest of the damn season. That's that yeah. but I, 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 but and, and I'm looking at it, you know, we don't make any adjustments. Like, if we come in and, and we've beaten up a team at halftime, you know they're making adjustments. We don't seem to make any. Don't you know that they're coming, like you said, these are playoff teams. These teams trying to get their, you know, they're moving. They want to be the number one seed, number two seed. They want to move up. Don't you think that they're going to make adjustments against us? So shouldn't you be ready with something like, okay, we did this, this was working. They're going to try to do that. We need to come back with this. Like, I want to know what they say at halftime. I really would like to, like, what does he tell them? Okay, everything's going good. Let's just keep doing mm-hmm. what we're doing and not realizing that they're going to change up something against us, which they do, and it works, and then we don't have any answers for it. I'm going to tell you, I've been watching the same replay of the same game for the last, like, five, six games, it feels like. I don't see where our wins are coming from, but if you say Clippers, I'll go with you. But I don't see anything. I, I, I kind of feel like if we're tanking, they're not going to tell us. But uh, <laughs> I, who are we going to win again? So I don't know. I, I, maybe oh, uh, I found a couple of wins. Detroit, maybe? <laughs> yeah. I because I, 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 me personally, I don't see this beating Sacramento. Because that's a matchup problem. The Clippers, that seems to be a matchup problem. Forget Phoenix. For, um, forget Dallas, mm-hmm. Memphis, Brooklyn, Portland, maybe. That that may, that may be, you know, one spot. Um, we match up well against Atlanta, so, you know, maybe there. Um, the, the, the Detroit, that's a given. And then... That's about because it, because after that, everybody else has a, a winning record. Wait, oh, so maybe we'll get it in Orlando. And, uh, hey, can I say one thing? Uh, Shelly, anything else you got uh, before we go to Av on the final thoughts? Because I, I got no, one I'm more point I wanted. Shout-outs to Shelly. But, but uh, shout-outs to Shelly. Av, but here's the thing. Let me say something like this. When R.J. Barrett has it going the way he does, we need – Evan Fournier to he doesn't have to drop twenty. I mean, he did it the other day. He he actually did score well. The Knicks just came out flat. Sometimes we need those buckets like to keep him engaged early on in the game. And I don't think that was the case tonight. He just seemed like he was just there for the road trip, just to eat, you know, go down to Philadelphia, avoid Shelley, get cheesesteaks, shit like that, you know. Uh, just you know, be a, be a, be a spectator. He was a spectator tonight. So. That's where I'm saying that's where the point guard comes in. Everything comes back to the point guard and this whole this whole theme every weekend and week out, and it's, it's telling. But Av, your final thoughts? What were your thoughts on Sims tonight? What are your thoughts on Quickly? What are your thoughts on uh, Mitch? What are your thoughts on uh, anybody else? On your final thoughts? Mitch M- Mitchell Robinson um, is, is going to continue to have the same up and down season that he's always had. Um, I think that eventually he's going to be, you know, one of those pieces that, you know, we talked about later on in trade talk. I'm not saying that he's going to get moved, but he, he, his name is going to be brought up, you know, over the next 
over the next six or seven months, you know, you know, because I'm 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 already looking towards the off season, and you know, looking at the draft boards, seeing who we can get, seeing you know what makes sense for this team um, in the first and second rounds, and then just paying attention to you know to what's going on with the baseball lockout because you know I I haven't really mentioned anything about that other than the owners are fucking criminals. Um, <laughs> that's just how I see it. But um, the Knicks, man, can somebody please note, like page Leon Rose to at least talk to us? I mean, I, I would actually, I would honestly actually be very okay with some lip service right now because nothing he's no, going to say is actually going to no, make me anything. No, you I no, actually you want to hear some lip service. I want to hear. Nah, I want to see him. Oh, I want to see him you know. under fire. I want to see him a little bit under, you know, under some kind of pressure from the media, asking, answering some tough questions. He's gonna, you know, you know, kind of walk away from all of them. But he, but he's, you know, he's got to address something. And frankly, you know, what is the future with Thibodeau? Because if he's not the answer that we, you know, that we need, which a lot of people have, you know, are already saying that, if he's not the answer for this team, then someone's got to go. It's either him or some of these players. Now, me personally, I prefer some of these players. I have, you know, you know anybody except for R.J. Barrett can go for me. Um, but if R.J. Barrett goes, I won't cry. I, I won't shed a tear. I won't burn a jersey or do, or do any of the stuff that other guys, other idiot fans do. I'm just going to be like, all right, so we see what's going out, what's coming in. Because there, because there, is, not, there is no investment by management, by the coaching staff, nor the players, into the betterment of this team and this franchise. The investment is only and it has been for the last 20, 25 years by the fans, the Knicks fans, who are the ones that suffer the most in this horrible dynamic of being a Knicks fan. Um, I don't know what more I can possibly say or can, or, 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 or can offer some kind of relief for some fans who are listening, but this team is – I'm not going to say it's a national disgrace like someone else said. It's not. There are other there are other things going on that are making a national disgrace, but it's it's really freaking bad when you have the Brooklyn Nets struggling as much as they have with three superstars, but they're at least still in the playoff conversation. Yet the Knicks, with no superstars, and having this much problem. Hell, they had they had it when they did have a superstar, and look what happened. This team has to fit. Can Dolan just sell the team? I don't know. Because <laughs> I haven't seen hide nor hair of him either. So I find it very interesting. I think maybe, you know, Dolan probably, you know, talked to Elon Musk and he's probably in a spaceship to Mars or something. Or who knows? Because to get any kind of answers from anybody in the Knicks brass is, is worse than <laughs> – is worse than getting, you know, getting to see the, the, the Bin Laden photo or, or, or like the Kennedy assassination. 
These guys are behind closed doors, locked in a bunker somewhere, and we're suffering in this freaking battle for, what can I say? The Knicks are actually fighting not more for just their respect, but they're they're actually trying to fight for our loyalty because our loyalty, even though most of us are true to our team, should be kind of waging a little bit. It should be kind of in jeopardy because we put a lot into this team. We put a lot of energy into talking about them and following them and watching them and, and supporting them. And this kind of this kind of end result is inexcusable, beyond inexcusable. Again, if you don't agree with me, if you think I'm blowing proportions, if you think I'm blowing smoke up your ass, you know where to find me. On Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I'm here every freaking Wednesday to talk another one because next – Next Wednesday, is that another post game or is I got a second game? Niggas are looking, man. We probably got a live looking because by the time that game goes off, it's going to be. Yeah, I got to go to work. So well, let me ask you this uh, real quick. If you can answer this real quick, what about what you think uh, Eric Adams, the mayor, is going to do, man? As far as, you know, uh, is he going to change the things for. Uh, uh, the players, as far oh not it was not really him, but businesses still got the mandate, so now nah, that's now nah, that's still out the door. Never mind. I already answered my own question. And so they take that. Yeah, it did because because yeah. for, for for those of you who, for for those of you Nick fans who are outside of the city, um, the, the mayor the, the, the mayor essentially starting tomorrow, kids um, in public in New York City's public schools are not required to wear a mask anymore. So that's you know a step in the right direction. Um, and I feel that businesses and restaurants are about to, you know, about to follow suit within the next month. And for those of you, for those of you who have already been vaccinated, you've been vaccinated for nothing. <laughs> you got a couple of a, a couple of months of extra, uh, uh, you know, a couple of months of extra, you know, kind of, you know, privileges. You know, you got to go out to eat in places and be more contaminating and cross contamination with COVID. Um, so, you know, do with that what you will. <laughs> I, I thought I had a conversation with somebody. I forgot who the hell I was talking to. And, and th- your point you just uh, you just said came up. And shout out to the Knickerbocker Avenue Improv Comedy Hour. That was he called me on guard with that one. But uh, <laughs> can you imagine you getting ready for the Knicks this season, right? And you say you're one of those fans because they, I know there is this because so many people that are Knicks fans, whether in, in somewhere in, in, in the tri-state area. That you got that shot, you got vaccinated, all you because you wanted to see the Knicks. That, that was right. your sole purpose in life. And literally, before the even season ends, they eh, doesn't matter. I, I I would be irate if if that was the case. But I, I'm pretty sure some people feel that way too. You know, I I just I, think I, that was I, I know crazy. a lot of people. I know a lot of people who will feel that way. Uh, a lot of people wow. within my own family will feel that way because they wanted to go to shows uh, and concerts and other things, you know, whether it's at Barclays, the new HBC arena at the garden or, or, or even at the, at the rock uh, and people, you know, got the vaccine, you know, some of them did it because they had to work. If you did, then I'm not going to clown you. I, you know, you're exempt. Yeah. You did what you have to do for your family. But if you just did this so that you can have the privilege of buying a ticket to go to a, a, a you know a, a restaurant or a show or whatever the case may be, 
if that was your sole reason as to why you got the vaccine, then you played yourself. Mm. It's hard to say it. You played, you played mm. yourself. You out, you downright you fed into the bullshit. You realize that the vac- that the vaccine did nothing for you because it so didn't even, even stop you from getting. We're not even going to the playoffs. <laughs> and, and and what's even crazier, what's even crazier is that what people don't mention is that there were still small pockets and sections where non-vaccinated people could still go. And it's not mm. like they're really like, checking those vaccination cards, you know, with, with a magnifying glass and checking your ID and whatnot. They're not even doing that. They're, man, you oh, know, man. they're just looking for the card and they're just looking for two little lines to be scribbled. They can care less of what your name is. You could have used your friend's card. Of course, you know, the, the, you know, it's a federal crime these days, but and it, and it comes with a hefty fine. But more often than not, how, how what's the likelihood you're actually going to get caught? I don't know. I mean, people Man. still fucking hop the train in New York City anyway, and you know right. now now there's a cop on, on every station. People still do it. <laughs> wow, wow, wow! We may have to do a separate episode on that, man. We may have to. You know what that, we do? Man. You know what we need to do is I need to know when's the next um, talk with you know Blue Yankee Blue and, and and all and, and all the Yankee talkers because. Um, I really uh, want to get into this lockout situation because from my perspective, like I said before, I feel like the owners are criminals um, locking up the players, you know, for this reason. Because if you think about it, this whole lockout, this, this lockout reason bullshit is not too different from the one that the NBA had a few, you know, some years ago where – Small market teams are complaining about the luxury tax threshold, which who does that affect? Teams like ours, the New York Yankees, sometimes even the Mets, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the big market teams that can afford these ridiculously long and enormously inflated salaries. They can't do that anymore because if that threshold wasn't around, I swear to you right now, the New York Yankees would have the highest payroll once again, and they would have, and they would like blister the crap. I mean, they would out, double lap the, like the, the number two salary. That's how that's how much the Yankees could have done that. It pays to be, the, and, and you know, I swear to God, I wish the NBA did the same thing. Like they they actually just eliminated the luxury tax threshold and like reduced the penalty for that because if you just do the basic economical and math, a mathematical thing here, the New York Knicks can actually start buying players and buy their championships. We can't even afford that. <laughs> Everyone's all happy and, and hunky dory that we're going to that we're going to have forty million dollars in, in spending cash um, next offseason. Yet we've been having that for the last three years, and what have we done with it? Not much. I don't know. Uh, I'm a pro player. You know, even you know, if you can if you can pay for it, you can get the bias. I'm a capitalist that way, I guess. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, man. Next lose to the Sixers. We'll be back next Wednesday. Live looking versus I think the Mavericks in Dallas. And uh, yeah, we'll probably get it up on Monday for the baseball. We haven't done it in a while, and uh, we'll get uh, with Bleeding Yankee Blue. And Av, you're more than welcome to come along and talk about that. Uh, 
lockout situation with baseball, man. It's over there. It's been a while since I've been to the dugout. Yeah. Ooh, me it's too. been a while since I've been to the dugout. <laughs> it's been a while. Me too. <laughs> All right, man. Shout out to yeah, somebody at Apple Podcasts, Google, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, Nickelback Avenue on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Wee boo. Can you dig it? <laughs> Can you dig it? Can you dig it? <laughs> Blue, 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 blue,